Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Today, I am really excited because we are interviewing my cousin, Christine. She is a 52-year-old badass who came out as gay at age 23, just a few months before she was supposed to marry her boyfriend of four years. And that was in 1993. For those of you who aren't familiar with the mindset about the LGBT community at the time, it wasn't incredibly positive. And the AIDS epidemic was still considered a gay disease. For those who were more accepting of gay people, it was usually an acceptance as long as it was, quote unquote, not in my family. And to add an extra layer of stress, Christine was raised in a Catholic family. Uh, Today, Christine lives in New Jersey with her partner of nine years, who is the love of her life. She describes her relationship as healthy, happy, balanced, and appreciative of each day to the fullest. Christine, we are so excited to have you with us and have you and hear your story about coming out. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kara. Thank you, Christine, for being on this podcast with us. And I'm going to share a quote with you that we read to all of our guests because we feel like it's the fundamental meaning of why we do what we do. And Kara found this on Facebook. And unfortunately, there's no one to give it credit to. So we have to say it's from Anonymous. But the quote goes like this. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. And what you're going to talk about, I think, is so needed to be out there so that people can learn that it's okay and life will be okay after coming out. So can you just tell us, I read, you know, you shared with us your story in writing, and there's lots of fascinating aspects to it as far as what holding back can do to us. And so in your story, you you describe coming out at age 23. I'm going to imagine that that's not when you learned that you were gay, that 23 wasn't the, you didn't wake up one morning at 23 years old and and say this to yourself. Can you kind, kind of share with us like when you were, you know, feeling that you were maybe different than what your family and the Catholic religion thought of as relationships should be. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a great quote that you found somewhere on Facebook. So thank you. And, and I didn't know when Kara reached out to me that I had a story to tell, but I, I do think I do. It's 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 been a while. So I had to do some some digging back to remember what happened 28 years ago. But to your point, it it really happened before that. And did I know when I was I definitely know that I was born this way. Did I know that it was labeled as gay or lesbian, I didn't because I don't think that I developed actually sexual feelings until probably much later in my teens or when I, you know, saw what my friends were doing and was kind of like, I don't know if that's for me. And I was really the the girl who kind of glommed on to different 
girls had crushes. And now that I know, now I know that's what they were. They were big, giant girl crushes and not something that probably you guys have ever experienced, but it was, you know, I always had my favorite go-to person that I was kind of obsessed with. So that was my way of, I think, acting gay back then until, you know, I, until I, I realized that it, it was what it was. But to Kara's point, you know, we, we, yes, I was raised Catholic, but that didn't all come into the equation for me in coming out as much as it affected how my family reacted to it. I mean, this is something I, I knew that I, I had to do. And, you know, you, you referenced this as I had a couple of different episodes. You know, one, the first one was, was very serious and put me in the hospital for five days when I was celebrating my engagement to a man. And then the second one was just prior to me actually coming out to my family. Or, excuse me. It was actually the, the, a holiday after I had called off my wedding. And I was, I was, you know, with my first girlfriend, but I was keeping so much inside that I had another episode. And those episodes were basically my stomach was bleeding. It was, I was internalizing everything to a point where I was becoming unhealthy. And, and so not only was my health a major factor in my decision, but I also made some decisions through a, a you know, several different interactions with the, this new world that I had come into, because just to back up, I, you know, I did call off that engagement and I know you guys know my story, so I'm sorry if I'm jumping around, but I did call off that engagement. But the reason, a big reason for that was because I met the first woman that I dated and she introduced me to a world that I just, I, I, I didn't know where to go, who, who they, who everybody was. It was just, I knew that I was very attracted to her so that was my first parlay into, you know, sticking my toe in the in the water and kind of learning about that this new world, right? So you were you knew that you had feelings for women at a young age. Yes. And you really couldn't identify them. I don't even think that we identify sexual feelings ever at first. You just kind of go through life and then it kind of dawns on you. I think as we're growing up it's hard for me to remember that far back. But as you were as you were aging, you, you were engaged to be married to a man and you dated this man for four years. Yeah. And it sounds like that got you really sick. Just the thought of being going against who you are and trying to be in a relationship that you knew wasn't right for you. Can you kind of speak to what, what that decision was like to to go against who you genuinely thought you were. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and he was and is still. I mean, he's I he's a he's a friend of my brother's, which is how I I got reintroduced to him. I knew him from high school. He was a grade or two ahead of me, maybe one. And he was a total catch. He was absolutely cute and he was so sweet. And I kind of was like, wow, I just landed like one of the hottest guys in Manchester. <laughs> Seriously, that was kind of my thought process because I and he was such a doll and we were great together. So I, I, you know, in the back of my mind, in the back of a and I think this happens a lot in the back of a gay person's head, they're saying, OK, this can work like this guy's great. Why, why wouldn't I just go along with this? Mm hmm. We're playing house and we had, you know, we were just kind of living the straight little perfect world, but there was definitely stuff in the back of my mind. I mean, I was, I was pushing those things out of my mind because this seemed like such a perfect thing that we could pull off, you know, like we could get away with it. And thank God I didn't marry him. I mean, I'd be divorced now. So it just, it, it's interesting to think how much I was fooling myself thinking that that could all just 
happen. And I could, we were the, I mean, my parents were thrilled. My family was thrilled. He was part of our family. So it was kind of hard not to go along with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's incredibly brave to call off a wedding, especially when the train is in motion and it's flying along the track and everything looks good. We were, uh, we were three months out. Yeah. So we were just about to send out the invites. Yeah. Weren't you? I thought you, I remember you telling me that you knew the shower had to be coming up, right? You didn't have a shower. We did not. No. Because you did it before you, like, I knew there was a shower that had to be coming up. I had to put the brakes on before that. And, and I know several people who are straight and knew that they did not want to marry the person they were marrying for whatever reason. And did anyway, because that freight train was moving along and it would have been easier to get married. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that, you know, that's just speaks to really how adamant you were about it's time for me to be who I, I am. I have to say, was that one of the hardest things you've done, Christine was if you were to think about the hard things you've done in your life, and I'm, I'm sure you're not 15, so I'm sure you've had some hard things that you've overcome in your life, where would you put that on the list? That was coming out was number one, but this one was hard too, but I will give credit where credit's due. And I'll, I think we're going to talk about family in a minute, but you know, I, I, you know, Kara referenced that it's, it's Irish Catholic family that I live in. My mother is absolutely the matriarch and is in a great way. Some, some things aren't so great that she did. And I got all clear from her last night. I talked to her to be able to say anything I, I need to, but she's, she's not great in some ways, but she is amazing when you need a fixer, (laughs) you know? So a couple of times in my life, difficult things have come up and this, what, that was one of them. She took care of everything. She, she was great in that way. And she contacted everyone basically and because I was in no state to do it. You know, it was, it was difficult for me to break this guy's heart. I loved him. And, and he, you know, was truly brokenhearted and I hurt this man. And he was actually one of the very first people, I think probably after Kara that I came out to, because he just, he needed, he deserved to know the truth. Right. So, but as far as the, the logistics behind all the, that goes into canceling a wedding, my mom took care of that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I guess I imagined you were canceling the wedding and coming out at the same time. So that's not how it went. It wasn't like, hey, I, I need to let you know that I love you, but I'm not going to be able to spend the rest of my life with you because I'm, I'm not going to be true to myself. It, so it was different than that. It, it was different. Um, unfortunately, I made up some stupid story to break up with him and call off the wedding. But it, it, because I just, you know, I hadn't had that conversation with anybody yet. And so he he didn't know right away. And I was still wasn't sure what was going on with this, this woman that I met. And so she and I were kind of starting that thing. And now I'm moving out of his house and moving to my parents. They're not happy. I'm not happy. I don't know what's going on. Like it was, it was a, it was a shit show. I mean, it was, so I didn't tell anybody anything until I kind of got myself a little bit so now I'm living with my parents. That's not pretty. <laughs> and so I now all of a sudden, this woman that I met who had a girlfriend when I met her all of a sudden needed a quote unquote roommate. 
So I moved in with her. So like lesbians often do, you know, what you do on your second date, you rent a U-Haul. That's pretty much what we did. <laughs> and so I moved in with her. I've never heard that before. That was oh, oh, it's God. so true. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So basically that was what we did, but we lived as roommates. And now this woman was 10 years older than me and she still is 10 years older than me. And she, I was taking my cues from her. I didn't know what to do or how to be. And she was pretty closeted. She was out to her family and some of her friends, but that's it. And her family, frankly, were snobby people from Wilton, Connecticut, who could not have been less happy that she was gay. And they didn't treat either of us well. And it didn't give me a good, <laughs> it wasn't giving me a good reflection of what it might look like if I came out or when I came out. And and I was a young 23-year-old. I mean, I was, I was, you know, I think I meet sometimes 23-year-olds now and I'm like, God, you're, you're so worldly. I was not. And so I was truly following this woman's lead as to how, how you behave. And she was closeted. And I mean, we had a, we had a two bedroom apartment and we slept in one bedroom and the other one was basically staged to look like I slept in there. I hear that so often. I know. How stupid is that? I can't believe I put up. I, I honestly can't believe I did that. Like when I was, I was writing that out, when I was doing my summary for you guys, I was like, how, who were you? Like, I would, I'm so not that person now that that bugged me that I, that I recalled that. And so that's, that was kind of the life we left, uh, lived for a little while until, you know, what I referenced earlier, we came to the holidays. So that was, that was in 19, uh, 1993 around summer, uh, summer, fall, we got to the holidays. They were horrible. The holidays were horrible. I was back in the hospital. And, you know, that's when I, I just started to decide that something needed to give because I was not well. And this was making me sick. That's when this lady, um, my first girlfriend, brought me to a house party that was strictly gays. And it was great. It was a packed house party in West Hartford, Connecticut. And I was just kind of looking around in awe because I had maybe we had gone to a gay bar once. I don't remember. We probably had to a dance club or something, but we went to this party and there was a man there who was so sick. He was so sick with HIV AIDS that he was literally on his last leg. He had gone blind recently from the disease. I mean, he was, he was covered with lesions. He was just ill. And the, the love that I felt that surrounded this man in that room, just, I was like, it changed me. I was like, this, these, these are my people. I mean, I need to be part of this. This is so incredibly beautiful that this, it, I saw the life that now I may be part of, or I would be part of, and I fell in love with it. So great. Yeah. And it really, it was beautiful. And, and, you know, to give, give some context, and I think Kara references a little bit, this was literally the exact same time that the movie Philadelphia was released. Mm. Yeah. And that wasn't an exaggeration. If people look back, if people run to that movie today, be like, oh, this is an exaggeration. It is not an exaggeration. No, definitely no, not. not at all. It, yeah. this, this was not, you know, this was the gay disease that gays deserved. And that was the mindset for gays and lesbians in general. And so to, to see that and to see that movie, and, but then to see the ins, kind of the innards of this world that I was now going to be part of was really special. And, and so it was that event that inspired me to go um, speak to my family. Nice. Wow. You know, you mentioned, Christine, that you moved in with this woman who was, you know, your senior and that you staged a bedroom to look like 
your bedroom. It's such a common story that I hear from my, I think, can't think of one friend that I have that's a lesbian that doesn't share that same exact story, no matter, no matter what. And it fascinates me. Like you said, it fascinates me because I think Kara and I have just really learned a lot about shame and guilt. And we talk a lot about that. And it just sounds like it's, it's shame. Like you are shameful of who you are. And as human beings, that just breaks my heart, my heart that any of us would ever feel that way. But we do from the societal pressures of how we're supposed to be yeah, and what we're supposed to, you know, the ideals we're supposed to live up to, especially being brought up in a Catholic type of environment. I can say that because I'm a recovering Catholic as well. Well, and, and I still consider myself Catholic. I don't, you know, sure. we, and my partner and I both were, were raised Catholic and have, have Catholic families. And we don't, we don't do the, the traditional, uh, what you're supposed to do as a Catholic. We don't go to church every, every week and we don't go to confessional, but we still know that we're, we're putting our heads down at night and we can sleep because we're good people. Right. And I think that that's fundamentally what Catholicism is. So yeah, it's, it's a piece, it's a piece of it. You know, and getting just referencing that that time frame and what it was like to be gay. I, I don't know what it was like to be gay back then or at all. But I remember a time when I was a kid and I was with my grandmother. So I was with Grandma Kay, not my grandmother and Chris's grandmother together, but my other grandmother. I was with her. We were walking down the street. I can't remember where we were. And there were two women in front of us holding hands. And my grandmother grabbed me and put her arm around me. And she said, come close to me. And she was worried about the two women holding hands in front of us. And I can't remember what she said, but she made it clear that that wasn't good. And she was afraid that I don't know if I would see something I wasn't supposed to see or. And let me tell you, this woman changed her tune later and she has embraced several and she embraced Christine um, and, and a mutual friend of ours who's gay. So she definitely changed her tune, but that's kind of, it was, it was like, um, you know, not in my family or not around me, but you can go do that over there kind of thing. So, well, I, th- and I think one of the problems was that we didn't have good rep- representation. And I think that that I can go back to high school with that. Honestly, there was, I think I know who was gay. Then they were the weird kids. There was nobody that looked like me that was identifying as a lesbian. And so mm-hmm. that and that's a that's a huge part of it. And that's, you know, later in life, after I'd already been out, I was in my 20s. It was a huge thing for Ellen DeGeneres to come out. Yeah, huge. we had a viewing party. I mean, that was we just couldn't wait because it was we didn't have anybody. There was nobody that looked like us. Mm hmm. It, we just we had really bad PR before that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's one way to put it, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I think sometimes as human beings, we're afraid of of what we don't know and what we don't understand. Yeah. And we don't take the time to have the conversation and to try and understand it. I can speak about my brother. My little brother is is gay. And, and I think growing up, we we all knew it. We kind of all knew it. And, and maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe part of the family wanted to deny it and, and, and say that it's not true. And I, I can even remember like parts of my family just saying, come on, get over it. You, that's a choice you're making. You don't have to choose that. Mm. You can choose something else. And, and I can remember my brother saying, really, 
do you really think I would choose the struggles that I'm having in, in, in this? Like, you really think that that's what I would choose? I would, I don't want to have these struggles like that. I don't think anybody would choose this kind of a struggly life if they could, mm-hmm. but, but, um, can you just like accept me for who I am rather than try and change me? And really the bottom line for a long time was no, we can't, you know, take a pill. You know, what is it? Get over it. And, and it was so, it's so disheartening to see that because we're all, we all have our stuff. Yeah. It's just, we're all different. We're just uniquely different individuals. Can you speak to that, Christine? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when I, finally had the conversation with my mother did not go well. And, um, and that was the day after that party that I referenced. And I came equipped with all of the answers that I, all the rebuttals that I thought she might have. Like I wanted to assure her it wasn't how I was raised. It wasn't about her. None of those landed because she was convinced that it, it was some sort of a choice and you know she was relying heavily on her upbringing and being catholic and that this was wrong and that that this was something that was going to be unacceptable frankly and and so it's a little bit maybe hopefully a little more extreme than what your brother went through but you know it was it's funny how people re- react to someone coming out because you know i may have thought about it for years i popped her her balloon in one day so even though she reacted badly, it really wasn't her fault. And, and I grew to really understand this a lot more later in life as she and I got closer and I saw her evolve and is an advocate at this point for, for me and for us and, you know, gays. People, everybody has to come out. I, I had to come out to Kara. Kara had to now understand and readjust the fact that her cousin and we're like sisters is not getting married to a man, but is now dating a woman. Like that's her, she had to have her own thought process. Parents certainly have their own coming out. Their kid that they've watched grow up, whether they come out at 13 or 33, they've now got to change their narrative to the people that they talk to, the people that they work and work work with. So, you know, I, I always say that coming out is not just for me, it's for everybody I knew. My brothers now have to say that they have their sister's a lesbian. So they're not going to have a brother-in-law. They're going to have a sister-in-law. So that it's it's just everybody's got their their there's a lot more people involved than just a gay person. And so everybody processes it very interestingly and very differently. That is hugely generous, what you just said. Yeah. Is hugely generous. And I, I don't know that everyone gets to that place where they can see the other side, Christine. That's really, that's really huge that you can. You know, a, a big thing that helped my, my mother, my parents, was changing churches. When um, in the 90s, when the rhetoric in the Catholic church was really, uh, became very anti-gay, they switched parishes specifically from the, t- from the one that was in their town to one that was 20 minutes away in Hartford that was run by the Franciscans and was extreme, not just like they were defiant basically of the Pope in my, in, or the Cardinal and the Pope in, in my opinion, wonderfully so. They even had a specifically gay outreach or gay group that would meet on weekends after church. Also key is that they had a support group for parents of gays and lesbians. My mother became involved with that. She, being, she attended, but then got more involved. And I actually went with her a couple of times, I think two or three different times, just as a kid, 
who had been out for so long. And here I'm sitting here with my mother. And I remember God uh, sitting, talking to parents who had just found out Mm. parents who thought that their kids were pedophiles. Oh my. Because that's how they took it when they they equated gay with pedophilia. Okay. Oh gosh. There was that one. As a matter of fact, I think my mother might've talked those people down or, or talked to them, but there was one, one, couple I remember whose whose son had just come out very recently and they were distraught. And I said to them, look, he's he's been thinking about this probably his whole life. You just got the news. I mean, you're you need to recalculate how you're thinking about what his future is going to look like. It might not be that different, but you you're you need your time to come out too. And it's so true. I mean every we can't just, as gay people, can't just expect everybody's just going to swallow this and move on. That's not fair. And and I may have thought that 28 years ago. I, I understand it a little better now, but. Right, right. That's that's really insightful. I really appreciate you sharing that side, Christine. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we did an interview um, with our friend Trish, whose father came out as transgender. And it's, this is her side of the story, but it's her story. And they had, they had a strained relationship for a while and then reconnected and sat down and had a chat. And she's like, do you understand what this, what I went through? And she was now she, she's like, no, like I was concerned with what I'm going through because she went through a lot. I mean, this was in the seventies, Christine, that she came out and well, he became a she. So of course there's all that pressure and everything, but she's like, Trish, our friend is like, but I have a story too. Like this impacted me too. And, you know, it's, I, I can't say that her father was selfish because I guess she was, but there, there had to be so much stuff going on there. So, uh, so, and I guess rightfully so, like, there's just so much, what am, what am I going to say? How are people going to react? What am I going to do? Blah, 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 blah. But there is, you're right. There are stories for every person that your, that you, your life touches when it comes to your coming out. And I'm trying to remember, I re- we had a telephone conversation when you came out to me and I believe it was before, it was sometime in the fall. So it was before you came out to your parents. And I remember you having the conversation and right before you said, and the reason, the other reason why I called the wedding off is because I'm gay. And I had it in my mind that you were going to say that, like right before you said it, like before that, I did not, you were not a person that I'd be like, oh yeah, she's totally gay. She just hasn't come (laughs) out yet. That wasn't, that's not what I saw. But, and I don't know if you remember how I reacted. I really don't. I think I played it off pretty cool. (laughs) You've always been one of my biggest supporters, Kara. So, um, you know, even though you've, I think you, everybody's, well, I, I, I think I asked you to, at least not on that conversation, but prep your mother, who is our mothers, our sisters. And so I knew that I knew that my message was not going to land well with my family. I didn't know that it was going to land as poorly as it did, which which was really me being basically excommunicated for a good amount of time, which when I say good amount of time, I talked to my parents every day. We lived in the same town. So I was told that I would not be, if this was the decision I was making, that I would not be part of this family. So here I was, my weak little, not weak, but my timid little 23-year-old self compared to the 52-year-old woman I am today. And I just lost it. I mean, I was, I was beside myself. I was inconsolable, but I, 
I was basically cut off from the family. And so I did reach out to my parents' siblings to to tell them, again, come out to everybody and to to tell them, but also kind of let them know that it wasn't it wasn't landing well with their their brother and sister, my parents. And so there was definitely some intervention from outside family. And I know, you know, Kara's mom, my Aunt Jude, was pivotal in in having my mother eventually come around. So they're close, the sisters, they really are. And I think that's really what was incredibly helpful too. Yeah. And it's Christine. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was I was gonna say something that usually makes me a little tear up. So maybe you guys can clean this up after. <laughs> but what Jude said to my mother, because again, my mother was very much hanging her her decisions on the, the Catholic Church. Jude said to my mother that God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, that's right. It's one of my favorite sayings in the world. And for that reason, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I just got chills mm. when you said that. It's so true. Yeah. Christine, nobody's a mistake. And, and I, it's, it sucks that we can feel that way, that we can literally feel like our existence is a mistake. That's, I think the darkest place to be, to be. And, um, you're, you know, we get to, I get to see your face and Kara knows you. And obviously you've been a huge contributor to at least my friend Kara's life. And I'm sure a ton more. So your life has more meaning than I'm very lucky. Probably, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm very lucky. And I'm sure you've worked hard for that. Like, and smart to, to, you know, get your mom and your dad siblings to say, Hey, I need some help here. Yeah. That, that was, that was smart. Do you remember? And I can tell by the fact that you're, you're, you know, welled up and, and teary that it's raw still, but I, you know, I can't imagine if, you know, we all want to belong, especially to our family. Like that's the first place we need to have a sense of belonging to is our family. And for you to be looked at at age 26 and say like, yep, nope, if you're going to do this, then we're not going to accept you in the family. Basically, if you're going to be yourself, be your authentic self, we don't have room for you. Well, yeah. And it's so it's um, <laughs> coming out. It's not a one and done thing, you know, with with the not just coming out to different people and having everybody do their their part in their own, you know, the, the people that it affects, but there's also an ongoing kind of training <laughs> that has to go with it. You know, my mother, when I, you know, that happened when I was 23 in my twenties, I lived after that first girl, I was, I remember being in my late twenties and living in an apartment in Wethersfield, Connecticut. And my mom and, and my sister-in-law and one of my mom's friends were going away for the weekend. We we're going to down to the uh, to the uh, Amish country and and PA to get quilts and just spend the weekend together. And when my mother came, her she and her friend were coming to pick me up on the way. Basically, my mother asked me to basically there was a saying in my my guest uh, bathroom that I it was a very gay thing. I don't know some poster that was clearly referencing like women and lesbians and and all this stuff. It wasn't inappropriate, but it was just kind of like a you know girl power thing. My mother asked me to take it down. She said, can you take that down before we come? Because if Diane needs to use the bathroom, I, I you know, I want to. And I said, no, I said, no, mom. I, and please don't ever ask me to, I called it straightening up. Don't ever ask me to straighten up. I'm not going to pretend I'm anybody but me. I love that. That, that is awesome. That phrase, I had not heard that before. Straightening up. Well, because I'd been straightening up from you know, the beginning of my coming out. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not straightening up. I am, I am a gay woman. Like, 
Oh, you know, like you can like it or leave. It's just, it's not, a, I'm not going to pretend I'm going to be anybody. And, and, and I think my strength grew from there. I mean, it was around that same time I, I switched jobs. So I'm talking like my late twenties, I switched jobs and I made a conscious choice to not pretend I was anything but a gay woman because I came out during my first job. And so I, but I didn't come out at work. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I never changed. I never said it, had the conversation with people I worked with and we were young and they were, it wouldn't have been, you know, people were dumb then. So I, I made the conscious decision after that with my next job, I said, I'm just going to be me. And I never said anything, but talked about my girlfriend or pretended or dropped pronouns or used they, or anything that would reference anything, but I'm with a woman. Good for you. I love that. Me too. It's, I think that's freedom. To be who you are. Yeah. Just to hundred percent. Just be free and not and not try to pretend. And it's so hard for most of us to be there, Christine. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's the the thing that comes with freedom is is um I can only compare who I am today to who I was then when I think about it. And when I started to think about putting this together for you guys, I was so short-tempered and angry back then. You know, I was just, I had a short fuse and I would get angry and fly off the bat at things. And you know what? It's hard for me to think of me like that now because I never do. Like I'm so chill and calm. Like, right, Kara? I mean, I just yes, I just I don't not much upsets me. I mean, I it's just I'm easy. I'm I'm easy on the road if somebody cuts in front of me. I'm like, okay, you know, you need to go before me. It's fine, whatever. I just it's, I'm not, I don't let those things that would have made me, my gasket blow. They don't, they're not there anymore. It's just because I'm me. It could also be age. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you ever recall getting, being discriminated against or getting odd looks if you were holding hands with your girlfriend, you know, anything that sticks out in your mind or like someone being belligerent with you? Yeah. Passed over for a promotion. I actually don't think I've been discriminated against work-wise, but I also know that I've worked really, really hard to get the positions I've had and been successful. You know, as far as it looks, I think, and I say this to Beth all the time, it's in, in this has been kind of a, a new thing for her since we met nine years ago is I think it's really important for people who look like us to hold hands and walk down the street because we're not who's on the front of the newspaper next week after the gay pride parade. We're not, we're never making the front of the paper. I can tell you that much because we look too much like you. So I always think it's really important for us to hang out, you know, just hold hold hands. It's a simple thing. And I love when people look twice at us. It makes my day. I just educated them. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 That's really sweet. I like that. It's a great way to look at it. And it's so great. You know, do I, I will, you know, I was just at the mall of America and there were lots of women holding hands with other women. And I was so happy to see that. Did I notice it? Was it different? A hundred percent. But was I anything other than that's so cool that people could be who they are. I love it. We're finally at a place where people can finally feel okay to be who they are, no matter what it is, you know, color, color combos, gender combos, whatever. I just, it's great. So keep educating Christine because the rest of us need to be educated. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question for you, Christine. If you were to go back in time and tell that little girl who thought every day about coming out, 
maybe she didn't know that she was thinking about coming out, but you said you've thought about it your entire life. If you were to go back to that little girl, what age would you go to? What age would you decide to go to her? At what age would she be? And what would you tell her? That's a good question. Um, I would probably go back to where it started to resonate with me, right? So probably 15, 16, and, and let let her know that, you know, you may not be ready to completely deal with it yet, but it's going to be okay, you know? And in as, as simple or silly as that, you know, they always say it's going to be okay. You're going to get better. It's really true. I mean, kids have so much they're dealing with these days. I would love to just hug any kids that are gay and can't come out or trans and can't come out, you know, all that the kids are dealing with these days. I didn't feel like I had many people around me who were dealing with, with me. I now know that that's not true, but yeah, I just, I, I think that I would just give her a hug and tell her to calm down and stop being so angry because things are going to get better. Oh, that's awesome. Well, when you don't feel good, there's another reason to be angry, right? I mean, you were getting physically sick. Do you remember coming out to your brothers? And um, because I don't remember that part of your story. Do you remember that and how they reacted? Or did your parents tell them or did you? I don't recall it as well. Uh, I definitely did. I think prior to my, the parents, so the parental part, uh, unfortunately, my parents, when they excommunicated me, decided to speak for my brothers saying that they are on board with this decision. Uh, so that, so obviously we all eventually reconciled and things are great and we're, we're wonderful and all their kids have two aunts, you know? So I like, they, they were, there's no issues in the family, uh, as far as my sexuality goes. And, uh, it's wonderful now. It- I think it's interesting that your mother and father were speaking for them too. I mean, that, that's, that, that'll taint the way you handle someone's situation and the way you talk to people. That was very uncool. Yes. That was very uncool. That was, that was actually one of the worst parts of it all, but yeah. Cause you feel like you're being betrayed by people who haven't really betrayed you. Right. Yep. Yeah. And Chris, before we started the recording, we were talking about a movie that you had said you wanted to mention. Yeah. So this was, and this goes back to the whole straightening up thing, is there's a movie that is probably 20, if not 25 years old at this point called If These Walls Could Talk Part Two. It was actually released on HBO or it was released by HBO. I had the DVD at one point, but it's a great story of one house. And the three different generations of couples, uh, lesbian couples who lived there and all in their stories. And, you know, the first one is so sad because it's an older couple. And and this is the worst part are the people who are like 90 years old now and have never been able to come out and have lived together with their partner for 70 years, you know? So it's kind of one of those stories. Whereas the, the lady who actually owned the house ended up passing away and her nephew, who's the only re- living relative comes in and basically kicks this lady out of the house. It's horrible. Yeah. That part of it, it's very sad. But then there's one of the, um, one of the parts of it is Ellen. Ellen DeGeneres is in it with Sharon Stone. There are totally great couple in this together trying to have a baby. And then there's a more modern, younger couple who I think, I think that's the the way it goes, but it's a really, if you can ever get your hands on a copy of it, it's, it's excellent. If these walls could talk part two. Yep. And then Chris, if you were to like, if, if there's a, a parent or a sister or even a person who's going through what you went through, what advice would you give them? Is there a resource, a book, an organization some kind of advice 
that you can connect them with that would help them on their journey. And I, as a side note, I feel like the the name of this podcast has, has to be coming out. Like you've said that so many times and referenced that how how to come out and survive in a healthy way. I think is is what you've managed by giving others time and generosity as well as yourself, which is not easy. I think. As far as resources, Patty Gotch, there's so many now, which is wonderful. You know, in our town, there's gay pride is we do things a little different in Jersey. So we're our gay pride is is this week and next this coming weekend. So we've the whole town is rainbow flags right now. And we've got a bit a big parade on Saturday. And there's just floods of information coming out for people around how to get involved. And so this weekend is going to be wonderful. There's going to be so many kids. Like you see, we were talking about people holding hands. We're going to see like the 18 year old girls holding hands and boys holding hands. And it's going to be so great. And I know that, for example, around here, the, the, the group that puts that on is called New Hope Celebrates. And they are chock full of resources and people to go to and talk to and constantly holding events. And there will be a lot of those resources at this event. Uh, this weekend, but there, you know, with between um, the human rights campaign, which has fought for, which is HR, you know, it's that blue square with the yellow lines. So that's, they've fought for, for, for gay rights forever and more on like the government level. They had a lot to do with, with gays being able to marry and, and things like that. But there, there are, there are lots of resources out there for sure. I mean, if anybody hears this, they can call me if they need to just reach out and talk to somebody. I think that it it helps to just know that there's other people out there. But the great thing is now, because it's not 1994 or 1993, we do see great examples of success stories and people being very out and proud. And I know my nieces and nephews, they, they're, they're like, what's the big deal? I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> They, they all have kids in school with two mommies and two daddies. So it's not a big deal to them. And I think that that's wonderful. It's just beautiful, the strides that have been made with the, the comfort level for people. So that's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, I like to think that it's just so, it's not as big of a deal now. Again, I'm not coming out. So it's not a big deal, right? So, <laughs> but it's just more, oh, okay. You see, you know, so-and-so's gay. Okay, you know. But, but again, I'm not the one coming out and maybe that's just in my world. I don't know. There may be, you know, pockets where it's still incredibly difficult and there's a a huge stigma still attached to it. I I really don't know. I would imagine, Chris, and you can, you can correct me, but I would imagine if I think about it, I think about like the kind of conversation and talk I heard growing up as a kid. I was so influenced by that. I mean, and it wasn't my dialogue. It was other people's dialogue. I was just hearing it. You know, I was hearing those things. So I would imagine it depends on what kind of a house you're growing up in mm, and yeah. what kind of influence you have by those around you or how your your own self-perception of what others think of you are. And when you're young, it's so distorted. And the stories you make up in your head are so out there and not true usually that I could imagine there's probably a bunch of people that won't make it to that gay pride parade and learn of the resources because they're still afraid mm. to just be in that kind of environment, which continues to break my heart. I know it's less. I know that it's not as many people, but I think it will. there will always be those people that don't feel comfortable and safe 
and it's it's very geographic. I know that. And we're very lucky to live where we live. I and mean, this is about the gayest area I could imagine living in, in besides Key West or, or Provincetown. Uh, and truly. And Kara's been here. I mean, it's it's a it's a fabulous, it's why we live here though. So it's one of the reasons. So I'm definitely not the not giving the what I'm experiencing at this point in my life is not it's not the same for a lot of people in this country. And I I get that. But it makes sense. Like, it seems like like we are, I think, as people a little like tribal, we want to be around people like us so we can feel comfortable and safe. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think if if I were a lesbian, I would want to be in a community where I was supported and I kind of fit in and and didn't feel like I didn't fit in. I'd be with your people. Right. You want to be with your people. And I think that's a really a smart way to, you know, find your way. Um, and then you don't feel, you, you don't have to even worry about it or think, yep. give it a second thought. It's awesome. So where do you, what town do you live in, in New Jersey? We live in a little town called Lambertville. It's and it's right, it's right on the Pennsylvania border. So we, uh, share a, our sister community is called New Hope, Pennsylvania. So we live, we say we live in Lambertville, New Hope, New Hope, Lambertville. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, they're two tiny little towns that are just we're a destination, really. We, I think we only have 2,700 actual residents in Lambertville, but it's packed on the weekends. And so, yeah. but it's such a great feeling community. I mean, when the, when the Pulse nightclub incident happened on June 13th, I don't, I don't know how many years ago it was at this point, maybe six or seven, six, might've been six. Every business in town had a rainbow flag out the next day. And almost everyone in town came to a vigil. I mean, it's very, very gay friendly. So it's wonderful. And, but I also know that's, you know, we're an anomaly. So I hate that, that we're an anomaly, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a beautiful place. And both towns are on either side. They're one on either side of the Delaware river. So they're separated by a bridge that's walkable, which is awesome. It really is a nice place. I have to come check it out. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I mean, thank you so much for sharing such a vulnerable story with us and and bringing us into your world and your life and our listeners into your world and your life. And I think I think you really helped me also understand, you know, what the process of coming out is like and how it can be on both sides. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I, I really enjoyed this and I'm, it, it was kind of a, an interesting, good process for me to go back and think about too, and, you know, have another conversation with my, my mother about it and talk to Kara about it and not relive it, but just also realize how far we've, how far I've come and how far we've come. So it's been a, it's been a, a very fun process. Thank you guys for including me. Thank you. Cause we call you a badass. Thank you. Yeah, you're a badass. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you too, Care. <laughs> Bye, Patty. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Kara and Patty. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave. I just want to see you. I just want to see you. I just want to see you. 
It never has to be perfect. That's the whole point of this podcast. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. That, that might show up in, a, in an aftermath. <laughs>